This 400th episode edition of Blue Shirts Breakaway, I can't believe it either, is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway, where you keep this podcast going for 400 straight Mondays I've recorded with Greg Kaplan. That's right. 400 straight Mondays of talking to Greg Kaplan. Think about that for just a moment. What would that be like for you mentally? Would you want to support Ryan in that? Here's how you can do it. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway. Get access to our BSB OTs and more. Today's show. We recap what we've learned for podcasting 400 straight episodes. We talk to our friends Fitz and Shayna about the Rangers offseason, so you will get your fix there. And then we do uh, what the Ringer calls a rewatchables on the nice guys, a movie that we really, really love and enjoy. Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, they just are so good in this movie. So uh, that's our 400th episode, a little bit better than our seven-year anniversary where we kind of um, made a boo-boo maybe on a guest. It's okay, whatever, okay. Hey, we don't talk about it. And, uh, and yeah, so... Look, I'll be sentimental now, and I'll, I won't do it really later. Uh, thank you all for making this possible. Uh, this podcast has given me personally, and I won't speak for Greg because it's impossible to. I will speak for Greg. The Mets. Okay, now that I've done that. Uh, this podcast has given me uh, more than I ever could have imagined in my entire life, whether it's career, whether it's friends, self-confidence, I, which sounds crazy, um, and just like stability. There's a lot, I, which is crazy to say about blue shirts breakaway because this thing is a nightmare and a total nonsense crap show all the time it's constantly a terrible show and yet here we are so thank you if you're listening right now because you made this possible and uh hope you enjoy the show as we do it every single week love you guys here we go hi everybody it's mark messier and you're listening to blue shirts breakaway the number one rangers podcast Welcome to the Bushes Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Beat. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. And Greg, we are 400 weekly episodes old. Hey. Ah, yeah. Not so, it doesn't feel so good to say, does it? Ah, oh, man. <laughs> Four, 400 Mondays ago, we were a couple days removed from the Mets being in a World Series. Good times. Uh, having hope that a rotation of DeGrom, Harvey, Wheeler... Mats and Cologne could lead the Mets to glory. You know, on paper, it looked really good. David Wright still had a back, or at least enough of a back, to be playing baseball. Um, The Rangers uh, were... In their uh, title window? In their title window, for sure. <laughs> 400 Mondays ago, we were, we're, this is our fourth head coach in Blue Shirts Breakaway history. Five years before a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I lived in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. Um, look, before we get to absolute nonsense, so here's what's going to happen on today's show. You... Before we get to absolute nonsense, yeah, Jesus no, Christ. If, if you came to today's show and this oh, is your first... I, hold on, Ryan, before we mm-hmm. go on, I, I, for, I almost forgot. I, um, Important. I experienced eye test versus analytics in real time this week, and this I need to share with you my, the story. This is going to be one of my questions, so just stick with, can you hold the story for just a fine, second? Fine, It's amazing, right. though. Good. Um... So we're this episode is going to be very unique. If it's your first episode, I'm sorry. You probably shouldn't listen to us ever again. But if you or want to support welcome. us, yeah, or you're welcome. Go to Patreon to support us. Um, this episode will be like us record, like recanting, like what we've learned from doing 400 weekly episodes about the Rangers, about sports and life in general. And then we're going to do Shane and Fitz, two of our, our Mount Rushmore guests. Uh, we'll just talk about the off season, everything Rangers, etc. You'll get your dose of weekly Rangers there. From there, we're going to come back. And we were going to do a full recap of the Nice Guy movies uh, that came out in 2016 with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. 
and we will do all the categories. We'll hit it all. So if you haven't seen that yet, we will tell you spoiler warning at the time. That's it. Would you cool. Would you be surprised if I told you a bit of a box office flop? I wouldn't because I, I remember at the time when we – one of the reasons we're doing the Nice Guys rewatchable again, and not to steal the term rewatchable from the ringer, but to actually do first. Exactly well, that. we give all credit to them. Like it's, the, it's the, paying the, homage. Yeah, we've had enough people from the ringer on here where we feel like we are tangentially <laughs> part of the ringer. Um, they, listen, they don't have hockey representation. It, it could be us, Ryan. It could, but be. no, it is in complete homage to the rewatchables, which is I think my favorite podcast. If you guys like movies, like Bill Simmons, like the ringer. I couldn't recommend it more. It is such a fun ride. So, uh, speaking of Simmons, we'll, we'll actually we'll get to him in a few minutes. So, oh boy, we've done this podcast for four hundred weeks in a row. That's a lot of weeks. I think you and I have developed a lot during that time, as any normal human being would. You have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it. You did. Uh, uh, one of the things I want to talk about, and the first thing, and this will go right into your story, is that I feel like. I know I've gotten older, uh-huh. but my takes have also gotten older. Oh, for sure. We did this whole thing where I went on a rant about how sports fans can't blame players anymore, and you called it an old man take. It, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but but for the first time over and over again, I go, you know what? Maybe there is something to this chemistry. Or I was at a bar over the weekend, and some guy was like, now that guy's a fucking baseball player. And I was like, damn, that's such a good lie. <laughs> Just because he laid down a bunt. It's oh, <laughs> like, God. okay, this is good. But oh, I, I do. How much older do you feel like our takes have gotten since we started this? Eight years, give or take. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, um, we've also learned not to do our anniversary specials with uh, Devils fans. So. Well, I, I listen. If it was our first year podcasting, if we were piss and vinegar, twenty-six year olds coming out uh, right at the end of David, I bet you we would have been anti-Quinn guys the entire time. Right away, Just right? Just completely, yeah. As most people on the internet were. Yeah, I think Which, that that was the line where I was like, oh, I'm an old. Oh, I'm an old man. I'm defending David Quinn. I know he's a bad coach, but that's not the point. Yeah. And, I, I mean, to be fair, while that was old, you and I were really early on the, you guys really want Gallant? That's your man's? We were early on that train. I that think made we me were, feel young again. It's funny. We were the only, I think we were the only two on that train. Everybody was so happy. And I was like, we cool, were both man. like, ah, I'm gonna be, so sure. Going to be a different slice <laughs> of Quinn, buddy. Don't know what to tell you. Uh, do you want to hear my analytics versus I yes, test? Yes, this is now? why I wanted to go for it. Yes. So as you know, Ryan, famously, mm-hmm. um, over our eight years, this is a New York Rangers podcast. It's actually a Mets podcast. That's actually a Hollywood critique podcast. That's actually a horse racing podcast. Um, and at the, I went to opening day on Thursday at the track. It's why we did OT on Wednesday. I am a big analytics guy when it comes to horse racing because you have to be. You, you don't get to talk to the horse. The horse doesn't speak English. You never know who's going to run well. They, they can't ever tell you if they're feeling good that day and to put a little extra cheddar on them. So you have to, for the most part, trust the numbers. Uh, the big race of the day, the penultimate race, was the only graded stakes, which is like the highest – Highest ring of horse racing. So all good horses in this race. And uh, they're all my, good horses. They're, they're great, good, good boys and girls. <laughs> um, my buddy George and I, big horse racing guy as well. He and I like to go up to the fence, watch the horses walk by, get it, get an eye test on them a little bit. Not, not really to confirm or deny what we're feeling about a horse, but just to see how they're looking, you know, see if, if they got a lot of sweat on them, that's a bad sign. Uh, if they're foaming out the mouth, not a great sign. It, like, there are little things you can pick up on. But we're watching these horses go by, and I'm just like, all right, all right, all right, cool, 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 cool. 
And then the horse um, that had the lowest odds in the race, I think went off at 33 to one, give or take, uh, was coming last. And Ryan, um, wrestling fans will understand this reference from the 2020 Royal Rumble. There's a famous gif of Brock Lesnar seeing Keith Lee walk down to the ring. Yes. And he just goes, big boy. Uh, (laughs) Ryan, I let out a loud, unironic, holy shit, big boy, when I saw this horse walk by. And like, you know, size isn't necessarily a, a, a tall tale sign when it comes to horse racing and all that. But I was like, that horse is three times the size of every other horse I saw walk by. I'm putting four bucks on him. I'm just going to see what happens. Uh, and the horse won. That that's, yeah. but like, it was the only time in my life where I. It, it's also since we're a movie critique podcast. Yeah, big time. You've seen the fighter. I've not seen the fighter. I'm okay, sorry. there's a scene in the fighter where um, Mickey Ward has to fight a guy who he's told is coming from fresh off the couch and is out of shape. And the guy walks into the ring and he's just chiseled and he's fucking ripped. And um, Mickey Ward turns to the guy being like, some fucking couch? Uh, that was me with this horse. Where I was like, God damn, that thing's a unit. I think it's going to win. And yeah, I don't. Th- it wasn't 33 to 1 because I think the win paid $44 on a $2 bet. So I think it was, that's 22 to one. Pretty sure you're describing exactly how Ben Harper got a two year extension. It was like, that was yeah, exactly what happened. Yeah. If only Ben Harper then like beat Chris Kreider around the track in a sprint. Well, he didn't do that, but he did uh, beat Corey Perry's face in, which I guess is close enough at this point. Big boy. Uh, in terms of, have you, I, I guess this is the wrong way to put this, but have you been less critical than you think you would have been eight years ago about just the teams in general. Have we learned to relax? No. God, no. Um, I You go back and listen to the podcast we did after Game 7, and I think I said something along the lines of, I can't look at Mika Zibanejad the same way. Yeah, you did. Yeah, So, and you know what? Still can't. I mean, his entire legacy as a New York Ranger has changed my eyes because of how he no-showed that entire series. So to answer your question, no. Uh, d- d- definitely doesn't seem like I've mellowed. The things I have mellowed on... Um, I just, while I'm critical of coaches for sure, I I do tend to find myself blaming the players more than coaches or management these days. That's Rangers and Mets both included. Um, I, th- I think it's a young man's game to be like, they need better leadership. And an old man's game to be like, just play the fucking sport. So I think that's where I've changed the most. Because I can, I can remember way back to... Uh, like those early pods, I was definitely more critical of the players management was acquiring, doing a whole lot of, um, you know, stop giving the coach his favorite toys. That was a common line I used for both Elaine Vino yep. and Terry Collins, Big depending time. on the player. Um, and while I still feel that way, don't get me wrong. To me, it feels like management has gotten better where Chris Drury, the quote unquote toys he gave Gerard Gallant, are not exactly toys you and I are super critical of. We don't love Ben Harper. He cracks us up. But it's not like Ben Harper was necessarily blocking somebody we thought would clearly help the New York Rangers. Though, I I think if I was 26, I think I would have been a lot angrier that Zach Jones just wasn't playing. I guess that's the big difference. I guess that would have been. I'm just not sure how much of a difference that makes. I'm with you. Especially because the reason I was critical of the coach is, you know, I didn't expect the coach to use the pieces correctly, so why even give him the pieces? I think I'd change my tune a little bit when Ryan Reeves was a Ranger. 
where it was, I know he's playing on the fourth line, and I know he's bad. And I understand he, like, kills offense on the spot. But the rest of what he provides was so valuable to the team and tangible. And that's my first, that was the first time I was like, this is a legitimate old guy take, and I don't care that Ryan Reeves is on this team. I don't think it, I think it was half an old guy take, but half also, Ryan Reeves is just a cool fucking dude. Awesome to root for, and I think he legitimately did change the culture of that locker room, top to bottom. Yeah, I, I think there's a difference where if you go back, you would listen to podcasts where we just make fun of and point at Cody McLeod as if he's an alien. Um, if Cody well, McLeod had 7% the charisma Ryan Reeves had, I don't know if he would have been that hard on him. Probably not. If he was a cool guy, if he punched Corey Perry in the face, we might've been like Cody McLeod is one of my favorite Rangers of all time. Yeah. If he did the social media videos that Ryan Reeves did, I'd be like, damn Cody McLeod. All right. I can feel you, bro. I just wonder if, if the, we'll always do this. There'll always be a Brett Howden. There'll always be a Mark Stahl. There'll always be the scapegoats, right? Last year, for the first half of the year, it was Jacob Truba. Second half, it was not Jacob Truba. I actually don't even know who the scapegoat was second half of the year. I, again, I, I disagree that Truba was the scapegoat because I was angrier that they were making him play. You disagreed the entire time, as yep. as as tend to be. And he was, shouldn't have played. He was legitimately injured with uh-huh. something we do not know. We imagine it was a hand injury. Or wrist or, or something. Or something like that. Upper um, body injury. Yeah, he played through it and stupidly. But he, second half of the season, I thought Truba was... Very good. Maybe not like what you want out of your $8 million defenseman good, but very suitable and, and quite quite handy. But there's always these players that we oh, what we focus on, that the internet focuses on, that everyone focuses on, that become these, like, let's dump on this guy. Dan Girardi was one. You know all the guys. And I wonder if you and I will ever stop doing that because some of them don't matter. Like, Jacob Trubert matters a lot. He's a captain. But, like, how much did Brett Howden really – how much did he really affect the New York Rangers? But did we did we really do, I I think you and I were early adopters to the we weren't dumping on the guy. We just started to call him the man rocket because we got tired of dumping on him. Yeah, he could get it and he did. Yeah, and he, he sure fucking did. He um, sure did. Good he for got that. it, man. Uh and it is not chlamydia, which is what I thought it was gonna be for a while there. Uh yeah, I, I still a chance for Brett. Still a chance. He's got, he's got free lap dances for life. He so. could have it. We'll never know. They never disclose injuries in the National Hockey League. That would be a lower body injury, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I'll push back. We didn't like Brett Howden because we thought he was just getting his bag skated in every day, but we also didn't like how people were blaming him for everything. Like he's the reason Leas Anderson didn't become what he was, and. Stuff like that. That was the real reason why we started to refer to him as the Man Rocket. We made different proclamations at different times that we just weren't going to talk about him anymore because it was old and it was tired and I didn't want to do it. So, I don't know. I feel like we've always, not that we've been ahead of the curb. I I think since we're not hockey guys, that's not our first love. It's not our first passion. We came to the sport late in life. We did. With a lot of... um different takes that we've built up from watching different sports. So like I approach hockey the same way I approach baseball. It's why I make all the analogies and all that. And there just aren't that many guys though. (laughs) I will. If I ever see Brett Beatty, let me tell you right now. (laughs) Uh, But no, I just like with a guy like Brett Howden, I don't know. It just, I get it. He wasn't the young guy people wanted, but it always felt weird in the moment that, we were ragging on this kid during a time in which we wanted kids. Just because it was Brett Howden and Leah Anderson 
that was supposed to be the difference. And it, you know, I get it. You, you take a guy seventh, you trade a guy, you trade for a guy, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I, I, I do think you and I have always, I think we've been fair. Um, at least in terms of the Rangers, I've probably been completely unfair about the New York Mets from time to time. No, that, but that's like part of the gig. That's part of well, being a Mets fan. It's being unreasonable. It's, it's just me, buddy. I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but no, I, I, I don't know. I, is there a take you look back on and go, man, that was kind of bad. I would go, I, one of my takes I think I look back on and I think about sometimes is, is I did a big speech once about how Leah's throwing his silver medal was a good thing. <laughs> I think, um, I, don't, I, I, I think every Leah Sanderson take we have, you can just throw away. Yeah. They're probably all garbage. Just like that meadow. Um, yeah, that's true. Second place. Yeah. I don't know. I, do I, uh, do I regret the very early Chris Kreider take I had where I was like, I want to bridge him. I just trade him. And that this was, this was the second bridge. I think it was, um, Man, I don't Chris really Carter regret twice. That's I re- one of my early takes was trying to make a case that Dan Girardi actually wasn't bad. And I think I was wrong on that end. I think you were wrong on that too. Yeah. But I don't regret it. I just thought, again, Dan Girardi was getting piled on and shit on. And I was like, I don't think it's Dan Girardi's fault. But turns out it was. Um, no, it was. And it was him and Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl still playing. Still a useful player. And still doesn't like certain people. Which, are, you know, look, that's his own view. No, 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 never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, careful now. <laughs> oh, Mark. Hope he's doing okay out there. Or I don't, to be honest. Mm. Uh, is there... Was there a, is there a specific moment where you feel like this was the height of the podcast? Like it's it's all downhill from here. I feel like we've kept growing no matter what we've done. It's always gotten to a new weird level, and every single year I go, "All right, that's it," and then um, something else happens. the The Woj question. I thought that was the end of the show. That was it. And a lot of people don't know what that question is, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the OGs know. The insiders will ask, what was the Woj question? We'll, we'll tell them. We'll the clip. It's, you can go find it. I think it's like um, episode 189. I don't know why I know that. Both MomCasts felt like great podcasting. That was one of our best ideas. But I, th- I think in terms of news, nothing's going to top Portsline coming on months before free agency being like, wait, you guys know Panarin's going to be a Ranger, right? Yeah, it's funny you say that. We did have that first. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Portsline didn't even write it anywhere. No. Uh, but peak podcasting for us, Ryan, no question in my mind, was the first time Brooksy wrote an article live on the airwaves with us. That was I, – I was glad you said that because that's where I was going to go right now. Yeah. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's just – for people that don't know, like we the one time Brooks came on the show, we do want to have him back. It, it just the schedules haven't worked yeah, out. Yeah, it's not like we're we're we have nothing against Larry. No, I we, we will talk about Larry with Shayna and Fitz today. Oh yeah, absolutely, it's gold. So absolutely, but yeah, no, Larry came on the show, and it was at a time when the Rangers were deep. And was it Eichel still, or we're trying to figure out what to do? And he's they were, descri- they were still talking about Eichel at the time, and this was bef- the trade deadline before Eichel summer. I think it was the summer before Eichel summer. I think this was a summer podcast. Might have been. I think you might be right. Yeah, and. Brooksy is we can it got to a point where we asked him a very specific question to get him to say the name Matthew Kachuk and instead all he does is explain the attributes and skills that Matthew Kachuk has without yeah, he saying like, his the, name at the time he's like a 22 year old yeah and then I just I cut him off and just said it's okay Larry you can say Matthew Kachuk and he laughed a little bit and the next day he wrote a column that was just here's why the New York Rangers need to trade for Matthew Kachuk it was 
it's one of my favorite. Like the billboard is so cool, but like the uh, the actual podcast itself with the billboard didn't like wasn't well, like a, a special. Okay, I guess I, I guess I do have to reflect on the best idea we ever had was the billboard, which also directly ended my career in news. Which is a good thing, I think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess. You tell me. I don't Maybe. know. I, but well, if anybody sits here and asks eight years into the podcast, has this ever, has this podcast ever impacted your employment? The answer is yes, because I got fired. So it impacted uh, mine as well in a positive way. I, I, didn't get, I didn't get fired. We mutually agreed to part ways because I wouldn't allow Spectrum to have editorial control of the podcast. There you go. That's for legal reasons. Nice well, that's exactly it is exactly what happened. And they gave me a nice severance package. I can't complain. I have nothing but friends at Spec. No, I don't have nothing but friends at Spectrum. I have a lot of friends at Spectrum. Uh, I, have, I have a good amount of friends at Spectrum. Yeah, there's one kid. I, he's going to commit a crime. Brett Brady Light kind of situation. No, Brett Brady's a fucking piece of shit and worthless. <laughs> oh wow! This, but this kid's worthless. I wouldn't say that. I I would. Okay. About Brett Beatty? Yeah. This You've kid, never been a Brett Beatty guy. Never. Not a one. You, that, you want to go back eight years? I was probably talking about, what's he, 23 now? I was absolutely talking about 15-year-old bum of an ass, Brett Beatty. <laughs> I would have I traded him so many times by now. Now his stock's fucking nothing. Can't get anything for him. No one's going to trade for Brett Beatty. Because he sucks. Uh, anyway, can't wait for him to be part of some weird Some magical trade. run the Mets go on. Oh, they're not going on. No, no, they're fucking dead, buddy. They scored. They had two runs. They scored three runs on nine hits against the Dodgers over a weekend. That Pretty was the bad. entire weekend. Pretty bad. They had one hit on Friday. It was Brandon Nimmo to lead off the game. The next guys never got a hit. Went 0 for 27 the rest of the game. Love that. Big fan. Uh, anyway, where was I? Yeah, this creepy kid. No, I'm oh, not yeah, talking about Oh, yeah, we don't have to talk him. about him. That's okay. Yeah, Legally. no, I just, it's a wild ride. Like, you know, the fact that the podcast became so popular that I had to have a conversation about my future at an employer and then indirectly led to me getting hired by other people. Really weird. This whole thing, this whole ride's been really, really weird. Very, a lot of surreal moments, just top to bottom, uh, where it's sometimes you're like, I'm, I'm at MSG and someone's like, Hey, I noticed your voice. I'm like, that's weird. Oh uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's still, that's still that's one of my, one of my, I was talking to uh, a follower of ours. Good kid. Local kid. Local kid, um, yeah. He and I are just having a conversation because we've met a couple times before. And a group of, like, five bros just start to circle around us and, like, do the thing where they start nodding along to the conversation. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, it just gets to the point where I just stop the conversation and go, hey, can I ask, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> and like, oh, no, we're, we're podcast fans. It's like, I had to introduce yourself, man. I don't – what am I supposed to do here? Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget um, one of the craziest moments for me is – I think this is like, year three – we were at a game in a suite, and Valley was in the next one. And I walked out, and I had a Blue Switch Breakaway shirt on. Now, Valley is like 6'6", six, six legitimately, and uh-huh. he's, a, he's a fucking giant. So he, as he was walking towards me, he goes, are you Ryan or Greg? And I go, this is, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> this is, what is going on? Very strange. Uh, well, anyway, I'm proud of us. We've come a long way. Uh, not like, look, Rangers, all they got to do is win. Uh, Mets aren't winning World Series this year, so good news, we're doing the podcast next year. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. No, there will be a podcast and opening night for the Rangers because I won't have died um, as a result of the New York Mets. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's crazy. Eight years is a long time. Like, I, I eight years isn't a long time until you get to the eight-year mark where, you know, Mika Zibanejad is still going to be a New York Ranger for, what, seven more years? Seven or six, yeah. I can't That's remember. That's a long fucking time. 
That's 350 episodes of a podcast. It makes you think like, oh, Mika's Vintage had seven years left on his contract. It's too much time. (laughs) It's too much much time for anybody. I really, I get why players do it. At the same time, I honestly would be sick if I was committed to anything for eight years. I, I, I don't know if there's anything I hate more in hockey than eight year contracts in sports. The only sport, like at least with baseball, they're reserved for the ultras. Otani will get they a are. 10 year deal. Um, Soto will get a 10 year deal. Tatis has one. Trey Turner has one. Yeah, Bryce Wander Harper has one. has one. But a lot of them Wander. are 22 and or 22 to 25 and they're ultra, ultra players. Yes. They are the elite of the elite in the NHL. Connor McDavid doesn't even have a max. It's what is going on. It's it, I don't, I, something, something's broken with the whole thing. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Totally broken. All That's right, all I got. Let's get to our dear friends, Fitz and Shayna. We will talk all things Ranger off season and previewing the upcoming season because most everything is done with the exception of Lafreniere. So we'll go to theirs. But before that, an ad break from our or a break and ads from our sponsors and more transition. Hey, we're back with our first two and last two guests of the day. Two Mount Rushmore guests of people that have been on this podcast, I think, 15 plus times. Shayna, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me and letting me stay as a Mount Rushmore guest. I look, you've, I think you guys are cemented in there. Like, Woj, he's still out there. Speaking of Woj, um, Fitz, you used to coast the podcast with him six years ago. I think, I think episode 100 is when that, that ended. Uh, Fitz, you, you're still doing this with us for some reason. How are you? I'm uh, I'm doing well, guys. How uh, how's everything with you? 400 episodes, huh? Do you know how sick it is to do 400 weeks of talking to Greg every Monday? <laughs> Dude, buddy, just try being Greg for 400 straight Mondays. Forget about talking to me. Fuck, fuck, fuck communicating with me. Just imagine what it's like for me to exist in this bubble for 400 days. So I think about what, it more than you want to admit. It's, first it's, episode. What was the first episode? Do we do we recall what it was? I have it, and it's like, is Derek Stepan actually a two C? <laughs> 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 um and the opening i'm stammering and i sound like i'm about to throw up because i'm so nervous there's nobody listening we were like posted it on reddit and it, we had bad audio quality i think it was like recorded on a potato yeah i and... didn't have i didn't have a microphone just had a shitty college laptop that i was still using this was also fits we got to make mention uh three weeks removed from the mets losing the world series so oh, i'm yeah. sure i had hot takes about Derek Stepan at the time you were you were probably just guns blazing that entire time. <laughs> it was like, it's like, did the Rangers need to trade for a center? They did, by the way. Um, and they, they, they never did it. And, and look then at eventually, the glow up. Like this is amazing, though. That's like an authentic start. You know what I mean? You didn't get handed shit, you guys. You didn't deserve the four hundred episode. You fucking earned it. Well, we didn't even get job offers really from any media places. <laughs> oh boy, they oh, lost. Uh, and, and then we did, and then we realized we shouldn't do that. Uh, it wasn't really. It was part time, and we were independent contractors. It's totally different. Mm. It's totally different. Um, so let's start with the Ranger news of the week, and then we can go into absolute garbage again. Uh, Fitz, we'll start with you. Uh, Keandre Miller signed a two-year bridge extension. Uh, I, I was told it, it was the appropriate amount of monies, four million over two years, pretty much. Uh, four million, sorry, four million a year for two years. Bridge contract. Uh, were your thoughts on Keandre Miller heading into this next season? Obviously, you know what we think. He's a stud. He's really good. And we love him on this team. You are the leader of the Keandre Miller fan club. And yes. I, I still think he has another level to him. And I, 
I've seen some people be like, "Is this is probably who he is?" Like, but that's just cannot be. Well, true. That's just so fucking stupid, man. It's like, crazy. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, I feel like like we. This is this is not like meant to degrade the other young players on the team, but like we treat all these other kids with like with kid gloves essentially like and like oh they need this they need to do that they need more opportunity they need this like they'll get better as time goes on and meanwhile the one who from his second game in the nhl has been a top four defenseman has shown he has a ridiculously high ceiling and was one of their best players throughout a playoff run to the eastern conference finals for some reason we're like "Eh, i don't know if he's really that good or not oh my god i saw some I made the mistake of being on my burner and, and searching Keandre Miller after he signed Terrible the contract. Idea. <laughs> Horrible idea. There's some of the morons like, oh, this is such a massive overpay. I'm like, okay, well, first of all, it's $3.8 million a year. So if you think that's a massive overpay, I think you just like don't like it when athletes get paid. Like you think they should be paying for <laughs> playing for like a hundred grand each? Like the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he's um, making he's making half as much as Brooks Rayleigh. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he makes nothing. He makes nothing. Oh my god! He makes it's like mid level. It's like biannual exception money in the NBA. Like I I I think Moses Moody makes more than him, and and he sucks. Oh, Moses, Moses Moody isn't that bad actually. He, he played pretty well. In the playoffs, uh, you're already but... talking yourself into Moody. F- focus, Fitz. Focus. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Kaminga. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. DeAndre Miller. Um, yeah, I mean, like I agree with Ryan. Like I think he has another level to go to. I mean, we saw kind of the offensive, uh, like leap he kind of took last year. Um, I've been pretty vocal that I personally think like the whole spitting incident kind of like zapped a lot of his confidence as the season went along. Um, you know. Him and Truba didn't have a great year overall. They also weren't on the ice for a single goal against uh, against the Devils in that series. So, like, you know, I saw a lot of people after that series like, oh, this guy, he's, he's, he cost them games. And I was like, I'm, I just don't agree with that. Um, I, I don't really think you know what you're talking about if you agree with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, everyone knows I'm a huge fan of his game. Does he have things he needs to improve on? Yeah, obviously. No shit. Everyone does. But kid's 23 years old. He's been top four defenseman since day two in the NHL. And the sky's the limit because you just can't teach the physical tools he has. Um, so I'm happy for him. I'm happy he got the bridge and is going to get the cash out again in a couple of years. It's smart. If I was his agent, I would have done the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really happy they got it done. Like, I know there were some rumors floating around about a potential offer sheet, which was hilarious because that'll never happen um, unless you're the Canadians and the Hurricanes, apparently. Um but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 thrilled with it. I I just I think the sky's the limit for the kid. Like the, he had an up and down season last year. Um, he was pretty candid about the contract stuff, like weighing on his mind. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Like, this is a chance for me to take care of myself and my family, and you know, like set them up for the rest of their life. And uh, I appreciate that honesty. You don't hear that from a lot of athletes, especially hockey players. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm thrilled. Um, I, I think he's a gigantic piece of this team's future. And Chris Drury said that too. And, like, I know people are like, oh, like, what's he going to say? Not, But, like, Chris Drury's not an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, he knows what he's talking about here. So uh, I'm really happy. I'm happy they got it done before Lafreniere, to be honest with you. And I'm just, like, ready. I'm ready to see what happens in year four for the kid. I mean, again, year four. That's it. It's, it's year four for him. And, you know, hopefully he gets a little more power play time. And, like, they let him, you know, use his speed a little more and let him be a one-man exit and one-man breakout. Um, so, yeah, I'm thrilled with the whole Keandre situation. 
Shayna, where do you where's the analytics say about Keandre these days? You know what? He's a player too. If you just look at the surface level numbers, you might not be impressed, right? And that's how we're all biased. We look at points, we look at things like that. And even below the surface, you know, the microstats might like him in some degrees, they might and others. I think when you tie together what we know about him from an umbrage perspective and you tie it to what we see, it really does make for a really intriguing picture. Because there's a player that has all the physical attributes, right? He has he has the leak, the length, the reach, the skating ability, and even the areas that he needed to work on. Like he had all the straight line speed in the world, but he was getting a little bit flat footed and close. And now he worked on that and you saw him take a leap because he was so much better in tight and it wasn't you know, once he was getting to the front of the net, he was able to defend a lot better. He's one of the few players you can really put together a, a highlight reel, minutes long highlight reel of just defensive plays. So we know he's someone who can break the puck out. That's what, you know, the numbers tell us, the video tells us. And it's going to be really intriguing to see what we learn about him from here because it does feel like there's that next level. And it feels like he's someone that's going to be really perfect for Peter Laviolette system. And, you know, we haven't been the highest on the coaching hire. It was, it's fine. But what we do know is that he likes mobile defensemen to carry the puck out of, you know, their own zone. I think if he's given that responsibility and encouraged to do that, we're going to see him take his game to the next level offensively too and play a more proactive style of defense that I think he's starting to get to, right? We see him make the play, the reactive play with the stick to, you know, knock the puck away. But I think he's going to get better at making the plays to just instantly transition back up to offense. So I think his numbers from here are going to go up. And I think the highlight real plays are just going to go up too. It, it makes for a great situation for the Rangers. I know this will never happen. I get it. I, I admit defeat that it will. And I know that pairing Lindgren and Truba together might just be the weirdest, most defensive defenseman combination we've ever had in NHL history. But doesn't anybody just dream about what would happen if we got Keandre Miller and Adam Fox playing together for just yes. like a one-month period? Just one yes. month. Yes, yes, I do. Every day. Every single day I think about it. Because, I think... Sorry, you go. No, no, yeah, I was just going to say, like, the, the, the first thing that always comes to mind is that Stars game where he scored the goal with, like, point three seconds remaining, and him and Fox, like, were together the last six minutes of the game. They like literally didn't come off the ice, and the Rangers literally had the puck in the in the star zone the entire time. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I can't wait to see them. Hopefully, hopefully, Laviolette lets them spin together a little bit more. See, I do want to see him a little bit more away from Truba, just to see what he has. You know, because we've seen them together for so long. Sometimes it's hard to to assess like what one brings versus the other, and I think it's pretty obvious with Miller because. The skating, the, the everything, right? The stick plays, the way he blocks passes and everything like that. We really do get to notice what he brings versus Truba. But it would be interesting to see them apart. I want to see the Rangers make that their number one adjustment in games that they're trailing. That it's a third period of a game and you're trailing. Just as the same as throw Panarin with Zibanejad. I want to see Miller with Fox thrown together as many times as possible because we're not going to get as often what I dream of, the four forwards, one defenseman at even strength, even though other teams are starting to dip their toe in it. You need some scoring. You try double shifting a Miller-Fox pairing in the third and just see what they can do when you need points the most, when you need offense the most. And if it clicks and you can kind of balance the rest of your defense, then, you know, maybe you can try it in other situations. But I think that's like the prime time to really start making this a regular adjustment. Man, it's just really funny. Uh, we're reflecting on eight years of this podcast today. You know the the coach that would have done that for sure that people fucking hate? David Blame Quinn. No, no, David Quinn. 
Quinn, Quinn did it all the time when the Rangers were losing the third period. He'd be like, great, D'Angelo's now out there with Fox. We're just going to go all offense all the time. If we give up another goal, whatever, the game's over anyway, we at least have to go with it. And it's just funny that we're we're at this point with yet another new head coach. It's just like, man, we really haven't seen Miller and Fox. And that's, you know, I get it. They're both young players. It's not like they've been here forever either. But we've just been so rigid with defensive pairings the last two years, definitely, that it's just like any any little change or tweak will be hailed as this wise creativity we haven't seen in eons. I, but before we even get to that point of changing the defensive pairs, I think the way we can learn the most about the systematic changes, and I think that they're going to be a handful of them. I'm really intrigued by the assistant coaching staff that's been put together here and the fact that it's a little bit different in ways than what Laviolette's had in recent years because he had Kevin McCarthy with him for so long. I think we'll be able to see the tangible results of the changing of of the system by seeing it with the same pairings or similar pairings, at least in the top four, and I think we can anticipate that a little bit. And then from there, see what they start to change personnel-wise. Like, I'm really curious about how much they do or don't need to change their pairings. It, it, it's good to have it, right, just to be versatile. But some teams, there's a reason, you know, someone like Jared Spurgeon and Jacob Middleton play the entire season together. They're so good together. I guess one of the, one of the questions I have is Chris Drury has built this team as best as he could, right? I think, I think we all on this chat, and feel free to disagree with me, thought Chris Drury had a, a pretty good to amazing offseason with the talent and the money he has had with, with the money he has remaining, which is just Lafreniere. And that's all he can do. Has Chris Drury given like Laviolette the tools he needs? Like, for example, with Gallant, he was, Gallant was like, get me Patrick Kane. And he went out and did it. Uh, Is this team, which now only has like three players under 25, (laughs) under 30, I think it is. is Two forwards, three forwards under 30. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, Does does Laviolette have what he needs to actually, I don't know, go the entire way at this case? Like, is the the offseason a judge generally a success, I guess, is my overall question. We can start with you, Shayna. I think that there's some things that they did that were right. Like, I think getting a player like Eric Gustafson who absolutely thrived under Laviolette, right? Like, he stepped up for John Carlson when he was hurt. He was excellent offensively. And he picked up his game defensively, which is something he really wasn't known for before that. Getting a player like that that you already know clicks with your coach and you know is going to be, like, a positive influence. And not 10 years ago, 5 years ago. Oh, they were good ones in juniors. Like, last year, you saw them thrive together. I think that's a good start because I think that's going to make the third pair a little bit more mobile. We know Adam Fox can break the puck out of his own zone on the first pair. We know Andrew Miller can on the second pair. Even Jacob Truba and Ryan Lingering can once in a while, sure. But that third pair, I think, was the weak link. So I think now, you know, that's a piece that's going to help. I think that you have a veteran like, you know, Blake Wheeler. I think that's something that a coach like, Laviolette's probably going to want to have he's you know he's not some developmental coach and we know that but I think that they got him a couple pieces that are going to click for him to play within a system but really like it's not like the Rangers have a bad roster in the first place and one that completely conflicts with what you know they could have wanted to have in Nashville if we look at it it was just that they had four balanced lines you know in in terms of deployment they probably shouldn't have had that for the Rangers here's three lines you really can split deployment between and then the fourth you can try to pull back a little bit that I think will mesh too with like Laviolette's tendencies but there wasn't that much room right it's going to be interesting to see how the year progresses and maybe he says 
I need someone I can rely on to do X, Y, Z, or I need this kind of player, and we'll see how the coaching changes it. But the key thing, I think, was getting some sort of puck mover to to give them some depth on that third pair, and I think they got it. Fitz? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they did pretty well. I mean, I, Drury did pretty well, like you said, with the resources that he had. I think, you know, kind of what Shana said, like, I don't think the Rangers are like a te- – it's not like a terrible roster. It's not like the Canucks heading into last season or something like that. Um, you know, I, I think that last year was just like from the jump things seemed off. Um, you know, I know Brooks wrote about it that, like, training camp was pretty, you know – laid back you know Gallant obviously didn't like talking to the players um the whole Patrick Kane situation just really just in my opinion was was a was a mess um the fact they tried to fit him in on the power play so much and and you know really like change their ways to accommodate him I, I thought never really made sense to me so I mean personally like I I before you know I, I took like a break from Twitter I said like I I don't think their team needs like massive overhauls or anything I think I just kind of want them to run it back with the same core in place, see if the coaching change makes a difference. And then, you know, if things don't work out this year, that's when you take a long, hard look at things and say, hey, like maybe this long-term contract's not a, a, a fit here or this guy isn't a fit here moving forward. So, you know, I think they did pretty well. I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm intrigued for next season. I mean, I'm, I'm still pretty annoyed just as a, as a fan of the team that Jonathan Quick is now on this team and I have to pretend to like him. Um after what he did to the Rangers almost a decade ago. So that, that kind of sucks. But, you know, I was a fan of the Blake Wheeler signing. I understand that he's probably not as good as he once was, but I also um, am a big Nick Nick Benino fan. I've kind of always been a Benino fan, so I'm, you know, I, I like him as a fourth-line player. Um, but to be honest, like, everything's really just going to boil down to if Kako and Lafreniere specifically take a next step and if they finally freaking give Heedle the opportunity to be the 2C on the team finally after like six years of this nonsense it does i mean it's easy since he's going to dominate at least another week of bsb airwaves it does feel it didn't feel this way with kako it never felt this way with heedle but it feels like we're at a line in the sand season with alexi lafreniere where even if he signs a two-year bridge if he doesn't do something that makes you go yep that's him that's the guy that's the one we took number one overall. I, 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 this might be blasphemous, and it might just be Greg's summer content coming out. I'd say there's a 60% chance Alexi Lafreniere is not a New York Ranger come opening night 2024. So one year from now. I, I think if, if he doesn't click for whatever reason on the right side, on the right wing, if he doesn't click for whatever reason, getting more power play time, and if it just continues to kind of slow cook and not burn. I don't, I don't know if this is just people being fed up with him. That's seeping into my timeline and changing my opinions. It just feels like we're at the crossroads with Lafreniere and it's going to be one of two roads. And we'll know by the end of this season, what road we took. See to me though, a lot of that comes back to Gallant though. Cause like him and Gallant clearly just did not get along very well. And and I get that. Like, listen, when Valaket says something like he did that one day about, um, you know, Lafreniere's, like, off-season regiment. Uh, that opens some eyes because Valaket's not a guy to usually blast players or blast the team um, outside of a few of those just absolutely horrendous games in November and December uh, where him and Hank were just lighting up the Rangers. But um, 
I, I somewhat agree that like this is probably like he's got to prove something really big this year. And and listen, he's a, a former number one overall pick. Like in my mind, he has that. He hears everything. He sees everything. So like I expect Lafreniere to have a pretty big year. And you know, one thing I've always kind of harping back to with him is that you know whenever he was in the spotlight for being scratched or being demoted, he always came back the next game and played well. And I think that speaks a lot to the the kid he is. Like, he clearly has, like, that little thing inside him that, like, all right, you guys are talking shit about me. I'm about to go out and, and ball out. Now, would it be nice that it doesn't have to get to that point in order for him to do that? Obviously. But um, I think he hears a lot of what people have said. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of the people who were, like, blaming the playoff loss on him. I mean, that, that shit was ridiculous. But, um I, I, I agree. I think this is a big year for him. I think he's he's got a lot to prove, and, and me personally, I, I think he's going to prove it. Shana? Yeah, I agree. I think the big thing is, too, like you look at what the Rangers have done each offseason, and it's been a little bit quieter on the right side of the lineup. They're not going for these big, splashy wingers. So the last couple of years, they're saying the opportunity's there. You just have to take it, and you really have to run with it. And now it's abundantly clear that if you don't, They'll replace you at the deadline. They will find someone, and you're going to be stuck on that third line, and there's nowhere for you to go. So here is your chance. Do what you can. Play your best. If not, come deadline time, they will find another person to play higher in the lineup, and you're never going to get that extra ice time. So, you know, I think that's the harsh reality for the players, and I'm sure that they've figured it out by now, right? And we've heard trade rumors before, I'm sure – if things don't work out, there's a chance he could be on the move unless he legitimately holds no trade value. And that's the thing, too. It's There's going to be, I'm sure, a team that's willing to take a leap on someone who doesn't make a lot of money, has that potential, has that ceiling, and just needs a change of scenery, sure. But at, at a certain point, you know, the Rangers are going to want some sort of return if that's the case. And if they can't find it, then it's going to be an even tougher situation. So I'm sure the player recognizes what he has to do to take that next step. Here's a new coach. There's no excuses. You're getting a clean slate. You have to go into training camp as well as you can and try to thrive from there. And I'd be really surprised if he doesn't. I think that's true for Kako even. And we've seen, you know, brighter spots from the kids, right? We've seen Filipito shine and get that bigger contract for himself, that third deal. It could have been bigger, honestly, but... Sure, here it is. And we've seen someone like Kako get more opportunity and been the one to kind of get tapped to jump up to the first line. And obviously he has the advantage of being a natural right wing versus Lafreniere, and that's a different conversation. But if he has that entire offseason now to train and prepare for the chance of playing on the right, and you can see the moves the team's making and go, okay, my only competition for these slots are these players. Like, you have to be ready and show that you can be that utility player that they need. And the second you get the ice time that you're going to pop off, he has to take that opportunity. He has to jump at it. I would imagine he's going to get more power play time. You have the coach saying the right thing. We've heard this before, right? The players have to get more playing time and whatever. Here's their new fresh opportunity and it hasn't always been the case. But, you know, a, a coach said it very, very, very clearly that if you're the player, you have to be motivated by that because the door is open for you to get the ice time instead of it being that you have to, you know, fight tooth and nail to get a drop of it. Now you have to fight to maintain it. If, you, if the door's there and you get that ice time, the onus is now on him to keep it. So we'll see how it goes, right? So uh, with Lafreniere just in general, no power play time. Like, did he earn it? You can make the case. No. You can make the case that he should have had a shot at it. I is get that it. is that our old man take, Ryan, eight years in, that we think that people should have to earn power play time? 
I don't know. There, we talked about old man take earlier because earlier fits, by the way, we're just becoming old men constantly. And uh, the takes are becoming uh, insufferable, of course. But I, I don't I, I think if you're the number one overall pick, you have to flash at least enough to be like, fuck you. I'm on I'm on power play one. That's what he are has you saying to do from that. day one, though, or are you saying last year he should have earned it? Because like day one, I think anyone would tell you first overall pick you put in. If you're choosing to play them, right? If you're if you're getting a first overall pick, you, the one struggle that you have is that you're probably not a very good team. So you have to decide what's best for the player and how you can play them without totally destroying their confidence and totally destroying them if they have no support around them, right? But generally speaking, you're putting that first overall pick in the lineup day one. You're going to give them a chance to gain a little bit of confidence. It might just be that they're a star on power play too and it's a split unit that they're actually going, you know, 60-40 versus 80-20% of the time. <laughs> but you're giving that player something off the bat. Yeah, but Shannon, you just couldn't take Ryan Strom off the top power play. He's <laughs> really important. He was a real <laughs> big part needed, of your future. You need, you really, truly need four right-handed shots when you can get him. <laughs> I, look, Lafreniere has as many even strength points as Mika Zibanejad last season. Is that, is that, I think, that the, no, I think it was goals. Goals, I'm sorry. Not points. My apologies. Goals. So Lafreniere has the talent. It is there. It's available. But, oh, and oh boy, this, like you said earlier, Greg, it is the line in the, the sand sort of year. He's going to need that power play time, I think, to at least open his game up. And I'm not sure he finds a way to get it on this team again. I, I, I don't know if he does get power play one time this well, year. Well, but that, that's the thing. How many. It's not that he needs power play one time. It's just that we can go back to living in a world where power play one doesn't get 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah, they actually, they actually play two power play units for a change. I actually like. When teams, I think it's better off when you put your best players out there for at least seventy percent of the time. Like I wow. honestly do think old, that old old woman Shana take is what we're getting. <laughs> it is oh, not, I get it. That is that is modern. I'm sorry. That is the modern, more innovative take is to actually play your stars and not split your units. The teams that are splitting their units are teams like the Islanders, and those are straight up old man takes. Absolutely not. I will not even hear that, Greg. But. <laughs> Does he? I think the thing is for him, you know, to get a shot on that unit, he has to. He might have to show something a little bit more at even strength to show that he deserves it. But this is this is where it's going to get tricky because there legitimately is an open spot, right? The player who got it was Patrick Kane or it was Tarasenko at the end of last year. Somebody else is going to take that spot, and there's a good chance it's not Blake Wheeler because Blake Wheeler is a different type of player than the Tarasenkos or the or the Canes that have come in and taken it. So I, I am intrigued to see if he gets that power play time, what he can do with it. But then. We might be here yelling, it should be Kako. He's the player better suited. Like, that's the trick. That's the challenge of it. Hopefully, Power Play 2 gets some shots, and someone like Miller or Gustafson are leading the charge, too, on the back end, and that's going to help them put together a better second unit because post-deadline, they had actually two units, and they sometimes used them. But it's just about knowing the situation and knowing the game of when to play two units and when not to. That's going to be important, too. But you have to be prepped and have a second unit together once in a while. Shana, one thing I I feel like we should bring up, okay, uh, mostly because people want to hear about it, is if the Rangers can find a way or will try and find a way to fit either Vlad Tarasenko, uh, Patrick Kane, and Tyler Mott. Tyler Mott at the deadline, of course, for a fifth-round pick. Um, all those players are still unsigned from a Ranger team that was a tremendous disappointment versus the Devils. Um, where are you feeling? What are your feelings where, where it stands these days? From a Tyler Mott perspective, I think that he's a really great depth player to have, but it does feel like they brought in enough depth that maybe they don't need to go that direction. So we'll see where that goes. Patrick Kane. Okay. A lot of us put a lot of blame on him. I would say for his play 
post-deadline, even knowing the injury situation. And sometimes it was he was doing what he was supposed to do and they just put him in bad situations. But I think realistically the team needs to figure out how to be an innovative and modern contender. And in today's game, you need speed. I think even a Patrick, a healthy Patrick Kane is not the speediest of players that I really do think they need to look in another direction there. I won't be surprised if they don't, because if he wants to stay and he wants to be here, they're going to let him be here for the right price. I think a Tarasenko is the better fit for them. I think they just need more players with, you know, shot-making ability. They have enough playmakers and they have finishing talent, but sometimes you just need someone who can put up a lot of shots. And Tarasenko isn't at the levels of years past, but he still is good at that. He's good off the rush. You know, he's not the fastest of players, but I think he has an edge on Kane there. And I think he really did fit with the Rangers in either top six line when you can't say the same about Kane. So I think that if there's a player to bring back, he's probably the one that would, you know, speak the most to what the Rangers need right now. But if you are bringing him in, you are taking away another top six slot from someone like Lafreniere or Kako. So I think that has to be clarified too, how you envision it and how you plan to roll your lines. And, you know, you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, right? Every team's going to try to replicate what what just happened and who just won. The lesson from that is to load up your top nine, right? And figure out the right balance of those three lines and how to deploy them. And, you know, for them, it was having forward pairings, essentially. And then you can yeah. move around that third piece. Stone, you know, Stevenson and Smith and Carlson and Marcheseau so with Eichel. If the Rangers can figure out that kind of system, a player like Tarasenko is absolutely perfect to have because you can really, truly have forward pairings down your top nine and have three reliable lines to, to lean on. And few teams can stack up to that. So that's where that opening is. But the Rangers have to be clear that that's what they want. They're not just going to load up the top six, throw the third line in a couple situations, and then go with the fourth the rest of the time. You know, you really uh, I agree with the Vegas thing, but you, you left one key part out there, Shane. And I'll say you need to really hope that a superstar player asks for a trade and then a bunch of guys who have a podcast put up a billboard and, and nick <laughs> that type go. of trade to that team. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 Listen, um, <laughs> the trade uh, was already dead when we put the billboard up. We just killed it again. There's a difference. <laughs> and I think that's important for everybody to understand. I actually, for my new job, I had a meeting with a, uh, um, a regional director. We, we work with um, people out in Buffalo all the time. The regional director was apparently warned that I had accepted the position and he had heard of the uh, the billboard. So he comes on without any hesitation just goes so you're a billboard guy huh and i was just like huh yeah i also think josh allen is ass do you want to go about that too and uh yeah he and i are friends now actually he's a great guy oh i had to <laughs> repent for my josh allen takes to woad for a very long time so i'm i, I know how you feel about that <laughs> yeah no he's pretty good he wasn't supposed yeah. to be uh i also once on this podcast said that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the worst quarterback of all time. The, the worst Oof. take you've ever had. Yeah. So, Did you oh, actually no. say that? Oh, yeah. No, that, that's out there. That's a yeah, thousand percent no, out that's, there. Before he got drafted, you were like, Patrick Mahomes is the biggest bust in this just draft class. I wouldn't take him. Oh, well, no, no, no. I said, I said Mitch Trubisky is going to be worse, but Mahomes is a very close second. Jeez. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go look at that. I need to go find that podcast. <laughs> uh, it, I, it's a SoundCloud episode fit, so you're going to have to do some digging. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, there. it's not worse than when we did the, the top New York athletes a couple of years ago, and I said Makai Becton, and you both laughed in my face. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Like, exactly yeah, it like was, that. It was true, though. It was true. Um, Shana, what's the worst take you've had on this podcast? I think you've been pretty sterling. Oh, God, I'm sure I haven't been. I don't know. 
You you two, if I, I'm not going to remember my worst take. I'm going to try to wipe that from my fucking memory and <laughs> move forward. I don't know. I'm sure one of, like, someone's going to listen to this and be like, I can, I can, you know, throw one out there. Like, if you have it, please let me know what my worst take is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I feel like, I feel like I have really um, incredible elite takes and few people can compete with that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no no one. Got it. There has to be something bad. I'm sure it's something, like, really dumb and really bad and... It's like, yeah, like I said, the player was going to be good and they were terrible or vice versa. There must be something. Let me just read you some my, early. My personal, my personal favorite of mine is, is from a couple of weeks ago. It's not even on this podcast, but when I when the Knicks were rumored to be trading for Paul George and I said, it's not like they're trading for washed Chris Paul. And then two and a half hours later, Chris Paul was on the Warriors. So I had to scrub that one from the Internet. Yeah, let's just delete that real quick. Um just so you guys are aware, uh, so on, I'm just looking back at our early episodes, which I, I think is really funny. Just so this this show has not changed at all, uh, episode 25 was titled "Rangers, the Mets, and Food." Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, did you write a so, Did you write a blurb for that one? Uh, I, I don't think I could see it on megaphone, but I will try. Uh, try, try hold and on. Check. I think I'd, let me see. Can I bring up the SoundCloud once upon a time? Uh, Remember that website? Yeah, I don't know if it still has it. But I think yeah, we have there. we have a lot of good ones from the from the beginning here. Uh, it's 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 all pretty rough. It's, it's, uh, we did a JT Miller time joke. Terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, not good. Not not good. The return of Rick, Rick Nash. That's good. Oh, uh, goodbye to uh, Yandel. That was episode thirty. See ya. Good, goodbye, Broussard was episode thirty-four. A lot of trades there. Who's Who's Mika Zabinajad? Yeah. Who's Mika Zabinajad? <laughs> much, much to do about Clendenning with Brian Wotanik. <laughs> oh, the Clendenning years. The were Clendenning else. Dude, he was on the podcast. He was definitely highest. He was high as shit. <laughs> oh wait, maybe my bad take was thinking like Brendan Smith was going to be like amazing over his oh, contract. Yeah, How about oh, that? I, I thought I, that was an excellent deal. I hey, thought it was I, so I was good. You there. I think we all thought that too because he was so good in that playoff run, and I think it. It was one of those things where like everyone else was so bad, uh, yeah. Like like Mark Stahl, the Mark Stahl Nick Holden pairing. Jesus Christ, I'm getting PS. Oh my PTSD. god, that was that. So that was when I started writing about hockey. Like started writing about the Rangers because I wrote about hockey a little bit before that, but I I didn't want to touch the Rangers. And then the second it was it was Holden Stahl together. It was Dan Girardi breaking under <laughs> fucking Pajot. It was like that playoff one was really when I started. So those are. <laughs> Uh, episode Talk 90 for some reason is titled Do the Rangers Have Enough Personality and What is Hank's <laughs> Legacy? That was episode 90. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, but don't worry. Uh, on August 10th, 2017, we did the Jay Bruce trade reaction. That, that's a real one. That was an emergency podcast. That's an emergency podcast. Jay I mean, Bruce. Bruce. I, I think this was the first time the Mets got Jay Bruce, not the second time they got Jay Bruce. Yep. Yeah, this is the Dilson Herrera trade for Jay Bruce, I'm pretty oh, sure. Dilson Herrera. Wow. Hey, hey, he was once a prospect. I don't want to hear it. Uh, man, we've done – Ryan and I have done this before, but, like, there's a whole episode where we broke down – uh, the Kevin Spacey movie Baby Driver. Oh, great flick! Great flick. Uh, which is we also did the Nice Guys, and we also did the Thrones finales and some other stuff. Did we too. do Thrones? We did a whole WrestleMania podcast one year. We did. Yeah, Shayna was got... shockingly not on that one. Now I, I know. Now, I I'm did... just gonna say, I'm like, wow, that one I would do. 
We could do an AEW one. Do one for All Out or All In or. I'm going to WrestleMania this year because it's right in my backyard. I'm going to have to be there. It's eight right. minutes from my house, so got to fucking. You go. should dress up like a wrestler. That's like it's honestly a very fun thing to do. Um, I, I, Is it I, cool to go as an AEW wrestler to WrestleMania? No. Okay. Don't be that guy. Why don't okay. you just wear the Pope outfit? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> just... No, no, no. You should go as like Cody Rhodes and like get like the cape going and the Cody belt Rhodes. and the I have boots. A beard. <laughs> it doesn't work. Oh, Put the man. nice tattoo on your neck. I'll go as Roman. That'll be good. There you go. <laughs> We're awake. We'll go for it. Um, this has been totally fucking nonsense. Greg, any final questions for our guests? We'll let them get out of here. Um, boy, that's tough. Uh, I get. We should allow Shana to do the Wimbledon conversation on the recorded audio a little bit. Okay, okay. hit me. Uh, well, just your thoughts, Alcarez taking down Djokovic. I, I did, um, speaking of old, since we're talking about the last eight years of this podcast, it was really sickening for them to list on, the only four men have won Wimbledon since Alcarez was born, yep. which that, that to me is one thing, but that also means that like, didn't Roddick win one year? Am Not I misremembering Wimbledon. that he, he won the U S open? Yeah, it was. He made it thing. to a final though, right? I At Wimbledon? So, yeah, I think so. Okay. But like, the only non big three was. Our fave, our king, Sir Andy Murray. Well, love they called him. it. Now they did. That, that was going to be my question. They called it a big four, yes. but I feel like as much as we love Murray, we can't call it a big four. Well, they call it the big three, and then they'll be like the honorary member of that. You know, you could say a big four because like Andy Murray was number one in the world at one point. And, like you know, if it wasn't for his hip, it definitely would have gone better for him. That's why, I like the fact that he's doing what he's doing is just so incredible. The way he played this tournament, I, I still honestly, if they. One had the Hawkeye for everything and not just the replays and or finished the match that same day when he was playing Tissipas. I think he would have won and he would have moved on a little bit further because he was really playing at a high level. We love our king. But like, you know, Roger Federer won it eight times. Mm hmm. Jesus. <laughs> Those guys are so fucking dominant. And, and I thought Djokovic, when he first came up, I was like, this guy can't be shit. And now, uh, you know, well. But there's here something we are. special about Alcaraz. There really is. And like, I. He's what's fun for me is like he's someone I've now gotten to watch his entire career from from the very beginning for him. You get to see every moment of for me, like I saw a lot of Federer's career and I saw a lot of Nadal's, but like I was super young when they started. And you don't remember like every little thing. of it. I watched tennis back then, but I, you know, it's not like I do now. So all the players that have come up from, you know, the big three to now, you see players and you're like, well, they're very good, but they don't have it. And Alcrez, it's like there's something different. There's something different about his composure and his athleticism and, and, and his adaptability. And every time you see him screw up, you see him come back the next Grand Slam not making that same mistake. So, you know, I, some are like, oh, is this the Carlos Alcrez era? And it's like, well, it has been the last, you know, year and a half if you've been watching the man it came into this tournament as number one already and he already has a grand slam under his belt and you know he he beat Djokovic in a down succession in one tournament that I think opened the doors to the Alcaraz era but like it gave the most passing of the torch moment we've had in like a million years and even that might be dramatic because who the hell is to say what's you know gonna happen from here Rafa Nadal could come back and win three out of four grand slams next year and no one would even blink everyone thought he was completely out of it and he won the Aussie Open that year everyone was so worried that he was even competing yeah. So we can't I, say it yet. I remember I was uh, I was at the – this is going to shock everybody. I was at the track with a buddy on Saturday who's a big <laughs> tennis fan, and he and I were talking, and I told him, I was like, this is going to be the last time you can get Alcarez in any men's final where he's going to be plus money. Because yeah, he's he was just, like plus 175, right? Yeah, it was – I think he was – I think it was a little more – I think it, I want to say it was plus 250, but I might be wrong because I did bet on him. right. 
I did bet on him before the tournament. And the only reason he had odds like that, honestly, is because he's not that good on grass. Like, he did win a grass tournament leading into this, but, like, he has not thrived on grass yet. Clay is his bread and butter, absolutely. And hardcore, he's absolutely killer at, but it's because it was grass. And now he showed that he can literally beat the best that there is in today's game on grass. Good fucking luck. Fitz, uh, I guess for you, Shana has tennis, you have... The Jets are going to be on hard knocks, huh? Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, dude, the, uh, the Jets are going to be great. I, I'm, I, you guys got to give me two minutes on the Warriors here, first of all. Yeah, we know. Um, <laughs> so, so actually, Shane has sparked my mind here, the way she described the big three with an honorable mention as Andy Murray. So, like, Andy Murray is like the Kavan Looney of tennis. You know, no. like, very, very <laughs> underappreciated. I, I think that's disrespectful to Andy Murray, me personally. Kavon Looney, yeah, three-time NBA champion Kavan Looney. Okay. All right. Well, look, just because you want a golf tournament this Sunday, okay? Doesn't mean you can come out here and do that to Andy Murray. All right. Well, well, listen, all I know is that I have to root for fucking Chris Paul this year. And do you guys understand how awful that's going to be for me? You, uh, I, I actually decided to like go back and look at my old tweets about Chris Paul. There are hundreds of them, <laughs> hundreds of them slandering him. And yet, in the back of my mind, I love the move. It's fantastic. It's going to be You great. love it? I love it. It's it's no. such a good Jordan Poole was just a turnover machine. That was the problem. And Steve Kerr loves his, you know, his Sean Livingston, his Andre Iguodala running the six, second unit. You know, I think big things for Kaminga this year. Love the Dario Saric signing. Uh, I mean, love Draymond's the, back. Love the great. Dario Saric signing. Jesus on, Christ! Man. This is what it sounds like when I talk about the yeah. Mets, right? Look, <laughs> Steph Curry's so oh, fucking yeah, good. They're gonna be is. there fine it's because Steph is still Steph Draymond's still elite defensively Clay even though he sucked in the playoffs had his best season of his career last year and uh they have they have the best center in the west uh outside of Jokic so I mean everything else will be fine (laughs) okay (laughs) they have the best center in the west outside of Jokic that is boy I don't know Fitz, it's okay. The Mets are depressing, man. I understand this. Oh, logic they're right so now. they're so bad. It's, is this? Uh, they're unwatchable. In, in our eight years since we've known each other, since this podcast existed, this is the worst Met team in those eight years, right? Yeah, because of the expectations by far. Like, like this team was supposed to be good, and and they're putrid. Because I, like, those, the only, I just I I don't know about like, if you. I feel like this. watching Alvarez. That's it. I like watching Francisco Alvarez. Like that's the only thing I enjoy. Yeah, I, I man. A really bad team that can't pitch is just like those Boy. bad 2017-2018 Mets. They had Prime DeGrom. So I was still a pig and shit at least once every five days. Whereas this year, I turn on the TV and Justin Verlander has walked seven dudes in three innings. And I got people telling me he's been fine. Yeah, well, Are we watching the same it's- shit? Have people really been saying that about Verlander? Are you I, No, I, I I saw one person say it, and I am now extrapolating that one <laughs> into a lot of people. But it's just like, like I, I remember I, an honest-to-God argument I had with a podcast fan earlier this year is I said something not nice about Jeff Brigham, and he shot back at me with, no, come on, Jeff Brigham's pretty good. And I'm like, in what fucking world? Like, what are we doing? We're better than this. Like- and then he hit like eight straight batters in that Phillies debacle. Oh, uh, buddy, and- I was, I was, I did a playback for that game. I literally started laughing. Like it, the Mets broke me to a point where I was so mad that I laughed. It was the was, saddest like, thing ever. Walking into my apartment and I, and I turned that game on. I was like, oh, this is this is good. The Mets are winning. And then within, I think I went to go to the bathroom and shower real quick, and I came out and I saw Jeff Brigham biting his glove, and I was like, what? 
the fuck just happened? <laughs> no, I, I don't want to be this guy because yeah. I have to. I have to end on this. There we go, Tampa Bay Rays guy over if, here. If the Mets had Ryan Reeves, would they be better? Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm, I'm dead he ass. He no, the vibes. He but Dan, the Daniel vibes. Daniel Vogelback is supposed to be that. He's not the vibes like Ryan Reeves is. Like, no, it's if, different. The vibes does, are different. Does the team actually like each other? And if they had Ryan Reeves, would they be good? Is I, Ryan Reeves on a question. team right now? Is Ryan Reeves on a team? Oh, oh three-year contract with, with the Toronto. Three-year contract from three-year contract. Fitz, you don't know? <laughs> they didn't give term to Max Domi or Tyler Bertuzzi, but they gave it to Ryan Reeves. Hold on, I, I've been so out of the loop with hockey news. He signed with the Leafs for, for three, three years, years bro. <laughs> for three That's years, one point three million a year, dude. Oh my god, Shannon, you just made my day telling me that. That is so that was, funny. It was it was a choice. It was a choice. They're gonna be you know a million or two short to keep everyone under that cap, and you're gonna know why. I, I honestly hope the Leafs win just so Ryan Reeves can be called the, the reason they won finally. <laughs> that would be so fucking funny, dude. Oh my god. But but I, I Greg, answer the question. Does the team actually like each other or no? Ryan, there's an there's honest to god theory going around the internet. At the end of uh, at in the middle of last season, Francisco Lindor promised Jeff McNeil that if he won a batting title, he would buy McNeil a car. And to this day, Lindor has not bought that car. And people are thinking Jeff McNeil is not playing well this season because Francisco Lindor didn't buy him a car. That is an honest to god story that you could find on Twitter right this second. I promise you, it's there. Oh, so I'm no, so happy. I'm I'm off. I'm off the app right now. I've never been happier. Yeah, must be nice. Uh, I just my favorite thing is everyone being like, "Oh, trade everybody." I'm at the. I think I first of all, someone said I I went nuclear on Brett Beatty the other day, and someone said Beatty for Donaldson. Who said no? And I said I'd take Donaldson just so I could cut him. Like that'd be that'd be better than watching Brett fucking Beatty for one more fucking day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're at the point where like I I've had thoughts about trading Pete. I'm just pissed off. Like, I don't want to root for any of these guys. I don't like them. I'm not enjoying this. I like Lindor. I I like Lindor, like, but I get the vibe that, like, Lindor doesn't have a friend on the team. At least when he had Javi Baez. I didn't like Baez, but he had a friend. Oh, man. I don't know. The power of friendship brought the Rangers to within the Stanley Cup two years ago. I know. And then, then Ryan then Reeves they... left, and the vibes were dead. Ryan Strom was the answer. I'm serious. Stop. Oh, my God. That's the worst thing you could possibly tell me. <laughs> That's one of my favorite takes, because he was the locker room glue. It's true. All right. Like, next next you're going to you're gonna tell me Chris Paul is the, the glue of the Warriors. Like, what no, no. Happening? Chris Paul. No one likes Chris Paul. Um, so, <laughs> anyway. Shayna, Fitz, thank you both so much for coming on for 400th episode. I can't believe we're still fucking doing this. I can't uh, believe neither of you want to hang around for the nice guys. This is bullshit. Yeah. Shayna, uh, anything you want to plug for? get out of here um i have stories they're coming out i'm writing random things i apparently don't know how to stop working um are you you doing a whole gossip girl column yet because that's what i want you know what i i feel like that might oversaturate it i like that right now i can keep everyone wanting more and you know like she she a full column in her tone would be a lot if i could like summarize maybe like i should have done like a trade deadline summary or something like to start the year, as if like when a school year would start, you would come out with like a big long blast. Maybe that's the vibe. Like we're going into the season. I have to think about this. And uh, fits nothing to plug on your end, correct? Yeah, no, I got nothing. Sick. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Sick. All right. Love you guys. Thanks. We're actually we're gonna go over now and review uh review the rewatchables on the nice guys for no reason at all. So here we go. Transition. Hey, we're back. So. How this will work. Mm. 
we are uh, going to do a rewatchable categories on the movie of the nice guys. We've actually reviewed this movie before. So I haven't listened to this old episode, but if you want to go back and listen to what we said, I don't know, in 2016, you can. It's actually out there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's available. Uh, so you could do that. But today we're going to do it again. It's a, one of our favorite movies. It's one of the most enjoyable movies I've watched in the last 10 years. And it's criminally underrated. Yes. So let me give a little bit of background for everyone not listening. First of all, spoiler time officially starts now. We are in full spoiler mode. If you yeah, want to watch it. But this movie came out in 2016. It's, but you, it's, on, it's on Netflix. You can go watch it. Yeah. It is directed by Shane Black, who is uh, – and he also wrote it. He – you're never going to believe this, wrote all the Lethal Weapons. That's so right. One, one, two, three, and four. He wrote Iron Man 3, and he wrote Lethal Weapon, the TV series in 2016. Mm-hmm. That didn't last. It had one episode. You, he also Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which yep. is one of my favorite Robert Downey Jr. movies. Yep. Yeah, this is probably, that's pretty much where he did The Predator in 2018. After that, uh, he is writing Lethal Weapon 5 currently. So, there's Not that. Idea. Not ideal. But, no. I, I like, the thing that before we get into the counters, the thing that Shane Black does amazingly is take two guys that make absolutely no sense to go together and put them together in the most beautiful way. So that was Danny Glover and Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon movies, mm-hmm. Gosling and Russell Crowe here. Um, I like the Iron Man three is such an interesting rewatch, but he puts Robert Downey Jr. with a literal kid. That's a relationship that's not supposed to work. And then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, it's Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer, and they crush it together. This movie has better chemistry than most love movies. The chemistry between Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling is palpable. Yes. You can literally grab the chemistry between them. The two characters... Russell Crowe is a legend. He is... Uh, he's a South Park episode. Uh, like, focus point. He is the gladiator. He has a lot of great roles. This role is something like you've never seen Russell Crowe before. And also, this is the movie that I think takes Ryan Gosling over the fucking top. Like, he, he, I cannot express how much I love Ryan Gosling in this movie. He is perfect. I'm in love with the character. I, 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 this says something about me, Gregory, and probably something about this podcast. Ryan Gosling's character in this movie is a human piece of garbage, and I love him. Yeah, I, but he's, they're both bad people. The, the beautiful part of this movie is they're bad people you root for. They, Spend the first 15 minutes of these movies doing voiceovers of themselves and essentially being like, my life has not gone how I wanted it to go. I understand I'm partially responsible for that and I'm trying to make the best of all the things that I can do. So I think it's important uh, to go over Ryan Gosling's history just a little bit before um, just to paint the picture of where Gosling was because obviously this is a big Gosling time. Barbie's coming out. He's a A++ celebrity now, but he wasn't quite that way. Back in 2016. So, from 2011 onward, he made Drive in 2011, which a lot of people like. I need to revisit I it. love Drive. But, it, but it's a cult, it, like it's the true definition of cult classic. Not a lot of people have seen it. It didn't get big awards or anything like that. But Gosling does a lot in that. He finally, in my opinion, shakes being the guy from The Notebook with Drive. Then he does Crazy Stupid Love, The Ides of March. Like... Ryan Gosling's still not famous enough where he does an episode of Drunk History in 2011. Um, he does Place Beyond the Pines, Gangster Squad, which was flat out bad. Place Beyond the Pines, by the way, gets some recognition for him. Yeah, but Gangster Squad, flat out bad. Only God Forgives, I've never heard of that movie. And then he takes literally two years, like, from 20... He doesn't do a movie until 2015, where he has 
a bit role, an amazing role, where essentially he's trying out this character in the big short before he does the nice guys. He is the Wall Street version of Holland Marsh in the big short. Then he does the nice guys. Then he does La La Land, and that's it. Like, now he's Ryan fucking Gosling. Yes, and then from there, it's all it's all uphill. I, that's a really... The, the actual Rewatchables podcast does this every now and then, where they try to think of, is there a better three-movie stretch for any actor? The big short, the nice guys, La La Land for Ryan Gosling, that's, that's an Academy Award-nominated movie. The nice guys, which is a hit after the fact... And La La Land, he was nominated for an Oscar. It's not a hit during... We should say this. Was uh, not a not, hit. Was not a hit when it came out. Does not... I saw it in theaters. Does not make a lot of money. Um, and just is uh, overall considered a flop. Which we'll set up for the rest of it. So let's let's go for... Do you want to do any more background on it? Or do you want to right into the categories? Um, I think it's also... I guess we should also do this for Russell Crowe. Because he was at an interesting point in his career as well. Where between this movie... And Les Miz, there was kind of a lot of, wait, what is Russell Crowe doing these days? Um, so just to give you a rundown of, oh my God, he did so many movies. But between Les Miz in 2012 and this movie, Russell Crowe does Broken City, Man of Steel, Winter's Tale, Noah, The Water Diviner, Fathers and Daughters. He's just cashing checks. Like, that's all he's doing. Noah... It was supposed to be something and it was not. That's a flop. Man of Steel. I don't know anyone that likes any DC movie ever. Um, and it's notable that he was in Man of Steel and is now in the Marvel Universe. That's how much people cared about Man of Steel. Like, Russell Crowe was at a bad spot when the nice guys was coming around. And then he just fucking crushes it. And I got to tell you, he hasn't done a lot of good after that. But I'm happy for him. Yeah, he murders in this movie. People and the, and the script itself. He's he's very, very well because cool. nobody knew he could do comedy. No, it, this is why it's so weird. Like Ryan Gosling, he like in the Notebook, he plays a very like lovey dovey. He's electric funny in this movie, mm-hmm. it, and every single line that's written in this movie hits. And there are so <laughs> many like quick one takers. I, I wrote down we're gonna do the best quotes category. I I know you went to the IMDb page for this. I literally wrote down. I think like 20 different quotes because I was like, I can't believe I missed these the first couple of times. Some of these are fucking hilarious. He's I, the nice guys is the closest the movie has come to just letting Ryan Gosling be Ryan Gosling. It's part of the reason why I'm excited for Barbie. Cause I think it's going to be more that than it is like, um, first man, Ryan Gosling. There's a lot of moments in this movie where it's supposed to be this awesome, like fight scene or something very cool is supposed to happen. And almost every single time, that does not go down. Including <laughs> one of my favorite scenes. Just the Ryan Gosling <laughs> dream sequence too, when he's just like the bees in the car and he's talking to the bee. Dude, when he goes to grab the the ankle gun and, <laughs> and it's not there, and he goes, "What the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing?" He goes, "You got your ankle gun." He goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Oh, did I dream that?" He goes, "Yes." He's like, "By the way, this tops it all. Like, this tops it all. It's unbelievable." So it's a buddy uh. cop movie that just. Hits every single beat per- perfectly and also subverts your expectations at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with the most rewatchable scene and we'll go with you first. I got six and I put them in order. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first is when Crow and uh, when Healy and March meet, meet each other for the first time, when he goes over and says, Stop looking for uh, Amelia. Yeah, no, and I And breaks Gosling's arm. I totally get it. <laughs> I got a buddy. I'm painting the scene for the listeners at home. No, I don't. I'm saying that's what he says in the scene. Anyway. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like, you have to tell him you have a you have a radial fracture of whatever it is he says. 
and just the scream Gosling lets out when he breaks his arm. Oh, chef's kiss. So that's the first one. Second one to me is the bowling alley scene um, for uh, Holly's birthday party. When and every, everything from when Crow confronts Gosling in the bathroom to everything at that diner table. Uh, just amazing storytelling and movie writing. Incredible. Uh, what are, are you doing all six? Are uh, you want me to, I don't know if you want to step in. I could do all six. The, the scene that sticks with me, I don't know if it's the most rewatchable and I know that is the category, mm-hmm. but the scene that I always think back to this movie and think makes it so unique for me is the elevator scene where they're both oh, going I, up. Yeah. Haven't gotten to that one yet where they're both going up. And the, the, the John Boy, who John is, Boy is just murdering everybody, legendary hitman is just murdering everyone. And they look and see this guy just gushing blood outside of his neck. And they just go back in the elevator, and there's no word said. No, nope. right? Ryan, Ryan Gosling's face is literally shaking. That's like, I, I, it's not. It, maybe it's not the most rewatchable, but it's the no, scene it's, I think about the most. It's on my list. That was that was number five on my list. So okay. two scenes before that that I loved, uh, the smog protest. Where we're dead, man. We can't talk to you, dude. <laughs> 20 bucks for whoever wants to show me where this kid lives. And the guy raises his hand. <laughs> Everything about the smog protest is great. Is, what are you protesting? It's the air, man. And then I think uh, um, Gossing just goes, what? The gas mask didn't help? <laughs> the, and also, the guy that says, uh, what are you guys protesting? Is smoking a cigarette is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the scene after that is Sh- Sid Shattuck's party. Just uh when, when he goes around and he's introducing people as hi my name's amelia uh it goes on a long rant and he's like by the way if you see me just let me know um <laughs> and then after tracking down amelia at the hotel which i had i had the car show the big finale scene just incredible uh the 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 party is is the best scene of the movie for me where it's it, there there's so much happening and the way that they film it and when Ryan Gosling gets into the mermaid tank is just <laughs> it's just absolutely incredible. I so for me my favorite scene my favorite moment is Crow and Gosling in the elevator as the body's falling out of a window behind them. It's so good. But my fa- <laughs> my favorite scene is actually the smog protest because it's just Gosling at his best where he's like, "All right, this is a protest group. See you later." And Russell Crowe's just like, "What the fuck are you doing right now?" It, it so it's I I it's not like when that scene's on, it's the hardest I laugh at like from start to finish. And he's just like, Oh, what the fuck, man? You stepped in my hand. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were dead. <laughs> you know, you know, what's funny about this movie and maybe one of the reasons it's, um, I and mean, this will lead right into the next category was, which is what's aged the best. Mm-hmm. I think one of this, the reasons it didn't really, while the movie's awesome, it doesn't finish. It finishes strong, but it doesn't finish in your typical movie strong where like, the bad guy isn't like finished or caught. Like the lady that they're they're trying to get, who is like protecting Detroit, has this weird like two or the three sentence line that like Detroit will live for anything. Like I'm protecting my country. I don't care that my daughter died. Like yeah. Detroit got her. And then they watch the TV, and obviously, um, they all the all the car companies got, you know, um, let go, and everything got let off scot free. And what's well, the best is that this movie was right. Like companies do actually usually win. Like yeah. That's, I mean, and, it's it's aged it's it's aged the best as in they were right, but it's aged the worst as in that's what happens. That's um, correct. Yeah, and I I I do think I love the ending of this movie because again, it shows that these are two guys who just worked actually hard to do something good, and once again, do not get rewarded for it. And that's the tenor of the entire movie. But they grew because of it, and they realized that's enough. 
they no longer need outside approval to know that what they did was good and right which right. is something that they wanted previously so like, while they they win even though they lose and i think that's an ending that i it's just more realistic it, it's not hollywood if this was a true quote-unquote hollywood ending kim basinger is in jail and amelia is alive and all these like the movie made a huge difference and there's no pollution anymore. But I think that's why you and I love the movie and yeah. why it didn't become this box office potential hit because it doesn't have that oh good morals ending. Well, it's I think really realistic. I do think at the time like Shane Black is ice cold. Um Iron Man 3 was not liked in the moment. And I I I don't think people came around on Iron Man 3 until recently. Uh it's been a while since Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which was like a decade before the Nice Guys. Russell Crowe is ice cold. Ryan Gosling is ice cold. He's starting to warm up after the big short, but he's not Ryan Gosling yet. If this movie with Crowe and Gosling is released three years ago, I think it does numbers just because it's Gosling. Same exact movie. Nothing changes. I think it's just their names comes are out bigger. this year, this movie rules. Yes. Like, it's, it's, in the, it's in the, after the, the post-COVID, like, you got to go to the movies to see something, like, just see what's going on. This movie gets a lot of attention. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, it's just bad release time. Yeah, so what? what's Age of the Best for me was the Crow-Gosling-Buddy-Cop dynamic. They're just fucking perfect together. It's I, the best chemistry in like any movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I I can't even think of... I The real rewatchables would do a like a casting what-ifs or a recasting couch. I cannot, I would not touch this movie. It's un, it, those one, The one character I would touch, but at the same time, I kind of appreciate... <laughs> him being in the movie for how outlandish and kind of bad he was, we'll get to him. But I just, like, I cannot think of Gosling and Crow as two different people. I Like, Ryan Reynolds, I felt like, would have been forcing it because that's what I expect from Ryan Reynolds. What makes Gosling's performance great is I didn't know he had this. I didn't know he had this car to play. He is a 10 in this movie. <laughs> He's so good. Uh, I think it's, then- I, I'll save it for hottest take, but I'll get there. Um what other, is the worst for me? Hold on, I got I got two more. So one is okay. just Ryan Gosling in general. We've talked about that. Yep. And then one's I, I said awareness of climate change, where like it's it's nice to think that people back in the seventies gave a shit about climate change and that this is why we give a shit about it now. And I think that that glamorizing of how, you know, hippie culture was actually all these different progressive things. Uh, you know, I think that aged well. I think that ages well in movies. At the same time, to jump into what aged the worst, I'll immediately say actually doing anything about climate change. Uh, that aged the worst. We did nothing. We did nothing. <laughs> we, we did this movie. Did. This movie is a thousand percent correct. The ending is right. We do nothing. We just pretend like it didn't happen. Yes, exactly. And uh, what's aged the worst for me is the ending, mostly because they set up a sequel. Like it's beautiful. They come yeah. in. They put the piece of paper down. Russell Crowe says he looks Dominican, I think is what he says. Like, Sorry, you look Dominican. <laughs> and he does a little bit of the picture. It's very, very funny. And then all of a sudden, it's like it sets up for this awesome second film, and then it never comes because yep. it's this box office flop. Uh, also, what age the worst? I got Yoo-Hoo. When's the last time you ever got excited I about actually, someone giving you a Yoo-Hoo? I actually fucking love Yoo-Hoo. You're a so, fucking weirdo. I know. You, but Yoo-Hoo, Yoo-Hoo, when we were kids, was the shit. And now... I think it's bad chocolate milk. I had one a couple of years ago. It did bring back like it, everything. All the nostalgia rushes through your brainwaves. It happens very quickly. I got the car industry as what aged the worst. Yeah, still. I, I love that line from Ryan Gosling. Listen to me. In five years, we're all going to be driving ja- ja- electric cars from Japan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got the private investigator industry as what aged the worst. Yeah, not good. 
Yeah, because I feel like everyone's just an internet sleuth these days, so you don't – there isn't the actual private investigators. There's a lot of bad private investigators that are doing bad work that actually hurts real work. Yeah. And then I, I got the fear of killer bees. That was a thing. Do you remember when we were little and we were told that killer bees were taking over the world? I, little. 2020, the two things that – the biggest news stories of the week. Oh, the, like the COVID-19 and giant killer bees. <laughs> <laughs> Yet never – no, we never hear of people dying from killer bees. In no. fact, the bees are dying. We're getting our revenge. I did talk to my in-laws last week, and they were big on sharks. They were like, yeah, hey, sharks well, it is shark week. Sharks, sharks are really – they're ramping up and killing a lot of people. I was like, is we still doing this? <laughs> Listen, I'm Team Orca. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Uh, this, is good. this gets us to the best heat check. So this is- for people that – this is called the Dion Waiters Award on the Rewatchables, where it's a, guy, it's a guy or an actor or an actress who is in the movie for probably 20 minutes or less and does nothing but drain threes. Nothing. Did, uh, did you have anybody for this? I, ha- I have one, and I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put mine. You could do yours right after. Mine is Janet. It is uh, – <laughs> she she delivers like two or three lines. She's the friend of the little girl that comes over, and the, the one line about her sister being a slut is super fucking funny. <laughs> um, and she just rules. She's She has, I think, approximately four or five lines, and she plays the part perfectly. Total heat check. For me, it's Lance Valentine Butler as Kid on the Bike. He's in one scene, Ryan, and he fucking crushes. He rules. And the second he shows up, he's like, he just, he calls them a slur. He tells them that they're fucking weird. He asks if they want to see his dick. This is all like a 14-year-old kid. And then he even gives them the wrong name of the actor. All he knows is the name of the movie, which is, uh, do you like like my, my how do you like my car, big boy? That's all he knows. Everything else he says is fucking wrong. And he's amazing. He's literally in maybe seven minutes of this movie and he crushes Ryan absolutely murders. He does. I, I I'm right there with you where it's like, he steals that scene in such a big way. Or like, where, how did they get this kid? That's so goddamn funny. Uh, and it looks just like he belongs in that era as well. So nice casting. Um, look, the one I didn't have is best. That guy. I crushed this one. So there are two candidates. Um, the first one is I'm going to get her name wrong. And Gory rice. Uh, she plays Holly Marsh, mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling's, daughter she's in the tom holland spider-man movies but i don't think she's much of a that guy whoever who is a that guy is lois smith who plays mrs glenn the old lady that thinks uh amelia is misty mountains you may know her ryan as aunt may and twister is that true that's her no way yeah so (laughs) she crushes this award that i didn't realize it until i was writing down the like the nominees i've seen this movie 10 times i've seen twister 50 times and i finally wrote down the names and i looked at what other movies they're in and i saw that she was in twister and i was like no fucking way wow yeah, mrs glenn is aunt may in twister that she is, the, is best, the best that guy that is the best that guy um so this brings us the best quote uh no, no uh, you're, you're overacting Oh, sorry. Overacting. My yeah. apologies. So uh, this this one thing I think is actually pretty easy for me. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's see who is it to you. Uh, Blueface. Blueface. Bo Bonap. He I, he's bad. Like there's no other way around it. I don't know what he's going for. I don't know what he's doing. He's trying to play like he's on coke the entire time. Yeah, he's trying to play like I'm in like I'm over like I'm a little bit of a psycho crazy guy, but he's not really believable. No. And Keith David the entire time is just like yeah, this, he kind of I get it. He sucks. So you're just gonna have to deal with it. There's nothing maniacal about him. He's just a douchebag. Yeah, he's just like not fun to watch. And you know, actually, can we? Can we I'm gonna go back to what's age is the worst a little bit, um, just just for a moment. 
One thing I really don't like about this movie is that Holly, the little girl, she wants to protect these bad guys all of a sudden when they're when Russell Crowe is about to well, kill them. She just them. doesn't believe in killing people. I, okay, I get that. But she's she she's at these parties putting herself in dangerous positions. She's watched this particular guy, um, John Boy, who we'll talk later, like shoot up her house and try to murder her. And then all of a sudden, like, she gets there for, like, when Russell Crowe is about the big finale about choke out John Boy. She's like, I will never talk to you again. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we kill this guy before he kills us. I don't know. I mean, I, to me, it's believable. I think, like, a 14-year-old who's experienced trauma at an early age in her life doesn't want to see other people die yeah, and okay. have other people experience okay. trauma as well. That makes sense to me. I, I get, like... I don't know, man. We would be the... I, we were boys growing up. We'd be like, yeah, fucking kill him! That's I true. Just, I, I think... She, you know, she saw her mom die at a young age and doesn't want others to experience that and also probably doesn't want to experience death again herself. So I, I to me, that honestly, again, sticks to the realism of the story. Um, which gets brings us to best quotes. Incredible. Which, I just, uh, you have you have the bulk of them, so I'll let you go. I, I, I have a bunch. So uh, marriage is buying a house for someone you hate. <laughs> that <laughs> quote is fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, never really heard of it like that. Um one of, the, one of the ones I really like, are you trying to find God? And he and Ryan Gosling responds, no, I'm trying to find Amelia. No, <laughs> he's, at the, he's at the hospital after he punches the glass. Um, I, I, just to cut in, a good one for me. We can go back and forth the rest of the way. Uh, at some point, uh, Amelia is explaining the point of how do you like my car, big boy? And Gosling goes, so you're telling me you made a porno where the plot, the point is the plot? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when when uh, Ryan Gosling's mach- uh, recording machine goes off, he goes, this is a machine that records messages. And I don't know why that hit me. It was just so fucking funny. Uh, uh, kid, kid on the bike, you guys want to see my dick? Nobody wants to see your dick, dude. 20 bucks? We already paid you 20. What am I saying? That entire exchange is incredible. He goes, no, what he, uh, his beginning is, like, and I off- he's like, I tried to get a job, and I offered to show my dick because I got a, I got a big, big one? dick. I got a yeah. big dick. <laughs> that, kid's ama- that kid's amazing. Um that when Russell Crowe meets Ryan Gosling for the first time, he says, let's play a game. It's called Shut Up Unless You're Me. <laughs> uh, when they get to the Sid Shattuck party and Holly comes out of the truck, Holly Holly goes, Dad, there's like horse here and stuff. And Holland goes, sweetheart, how many times have I told you? Don't say and stuff. Just say, Dad, there are horse here. And she goes, well, there's like a ton. <laughs> when they're at the Sid Shattuck party, there's also this one, one throwaway line from one girl who's walking. And she goes... And I told him, if you want me to do that, then don't eat asparagus. <laughs> uh, oh, Which, man. Uh, uh, you could do your own math there. And, uh, yeah. And then uh, one of my other favorite ones is when they're talking to the DA. And she talks about her job. And she goes, I spent half my day on porn. And, and Ryan Gosling immediately goes, oh, okay. So, like, what kind of types are you into? And she's, like, prosecuting. It's perfect. Uh, it's uh, perfect. I was in the pool. You were in the pool? Yeah. Why? I had a question the mermaids. What were you doing while I was working? <laughs> oh, uh, it, it, Chet, Chet, by the way, kind of makes you so – he says, kind of makes you think to Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling turns around and goes, not really, Chet. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking Chet. Uh, uh, Not really, Chet. Uh, all right, all right, so does many. this mean my niece is dead? Yes. I mean, uh, yes. I'm so sorry. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, all right. That's enough for me on quotes. But uh, so good. So, so no, good. I, there's like 15 the, to 20 more. Anything there, that comes out of Ryan Gosling's mouth is is the best quote. It's so good. Um, okay. Let's go back to these categories. So we did best quotes. 
Uh, best scene, ceiling, location. I got Sid Shattuck's house. Same. I just, it's, I don't think it's close. No, I just want to be at that party. That's, that, a, I would have died, but I would have had a good it time. It looked like a legitimate, awesome party, yep. top to bottom. Everything about it was ridiculous. Uh, I don't really understand this category, so please let me know. Sure. Best race, race horse name. It's essentially just a reference in the movie that could then make a name for a race horse. So I get, I got four for you. Okay. You who? Love that. Blueface. I like Shid Shattuck. That's a good horse name. That's a good horse name. Misty Mountains was one of my horse That's names. A perfect horse name. And Killer Bees. Killer Bees is a good one too. Do you know in the, in the movie they reference a horse and and when Ryan Gosling's asking this person, she says Kentucky Derby as the oh. horse name. It's very funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like I'm pretty sure the horse's name is Kentucky Derby. Anyway, um, this brings us to hottest take. Uh, for a hottest take, like I'm not sure, like I. It's a perfect buddy cop movie. I, I'm annoyed. Like, my hottest take is probably that the ending should have been more Hollywood so we could have got a second movie. Mine is, this is Ryan Gosling's best movie. It's not even close. Wow. That is a hot. Because I think people would say La La Land. It's right after this. People, people really like Blade Runner, too, man. I know I know Blade uh, Runner also flopped. Yeah, not not my cup of tea. But I, like, I think people would also say The Notebook because that's what launches Ryan Gosling's career. But this is his best performance in a movie Bar none, period, end of story. So would that also, uh, you know, we could skip over picking nits for just a second because this goes into Apex Mountain. Would that mean that you, this is his Apex Mountain? No, no. His Apex Mountain is La La Land because he, like after the nice guys, it's a great performance that you and I love. But again, nobody saw it. No. La La Land is an Oscar nominated movie that launches him into superstardom. And like the point of Apex Mountain is after this movie, does he have the power to say, I want to do Whatever, if if he wanted to green light a movie about Adolf Hitler and he plays Hitler, Gosling would have been able to do it after La La Land, where he wouldn't have been able to do it after The Nice Guys. Totally fair. Totally fair. Which brings us back to, to picking nits. Uh, so Kim Basker is just cool with her daughter dying? Am I, am yeah. I getting that right? Yeah, she's like, she's like, she died for Detroit? Like, I, like she's cool with it. Her, her yeah, daughter is dead. Yeah, yeah, she was like, well, I hired you guys to protect her. But and not like, really. But not really. Because her assistant is clearly working with the bad guys. Right. Big time. And then her sister, her assistant, by the way, another great quote. She's like, have you put the gun down? You ever murdered somebody? Yeah, three people in Detroit. (laughs) Oh, shit. You're not a murderer. Like, no, no, she is. No, like deep down inside. (laughs) The quotes are forever. Uh, Point is, um, I'm with you. It's like, she's just really cool with her daughter dying, which is like the first half of the movie, which doesn't sit right with me. It's not very believable. Yeah. It, like, it seems like she is hunting her daughter, which is sick, twisted, fucked up. But also, I, I it does remind me of a good scene where, like, uh, she's writing out $50,000 for them to track her daughter. And they're like, we couldn't possibly do it for more than $10,000. No, so she, she writes ten, and he goes, we, we could do it for $5,000. Oh, that's it, that's and, it. And he looks and over it, to Russell Crowe and winks. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> and she rips the check up. Yeah. Perfect. But yeah, that that's the biggest pick in it to me, where she's uh, she's trying to kill her own daughter. Another one for me. Uh, how do you like my car, big boy? Ryan, who's that movie for? Who, who are they going to show that movie for? And so they're going to go, now, wait a minute. Well, the car companies artistic. are doing what? It's artistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's artistic uh, then, for a choice. And then my, my final one is just everything Blueface is doing. Why? Why are yeah, we here? He's not good. I, you know what? I'm going to do one more. Recastable. I would recast John Boy. I, I like, No, I like John Boy as what he was. I need Blueface to be someone different. 
I think if John Boy's a better villain, like the, I need a I need a better action flick guy than than whoever that guy was. I just he, think I think Blueface saw um, there will be blood and was like, now what if Paul Dano was just on coke the entire time? Yeah, I'm with you. Who won the movie? Chemistry. Oh, I said Gosling. It's Gosling, but it's the chemistry between Gosling and Russell Crowe. Also, just to go back to Apex Mountain, I did Apex for just about everybody in this movie. Gosling's La La Land. Russell Crowe was Gladiator for sure. Yeah, not close. And Black, he wrote the Lethal Weapon movies. Like, the whole reason he was able to do Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is because he's the guy that wrote Lethal Weapon. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, who won the movie? I think it's Gosling. But I'd also accept just Gosling and Crowe together. And I think it's a shame we haven't gotten them back together. What do you think the second movie would have been like? I would just have to... That's, part of me is happy it doesn't exist. Because the second movie... You can't just fuck up your way into the right thing again. You know what I mean? It, it, the thing that makes this movie so magical is these guys are so bad together that they're actually good together. Mm-hmm. Where the second movie, they'd have to be good together. So I, I like unless the thing they are investigating is so over the top... Like someone kidnaps fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger and they're the guys brought in to investigate it. I, I just, I honestly don't know. To me, the nice guy sequel is just two different guys. I don't think you could run it back with Gosling and Crow. I don't think it works. I, I think it would work, but man, it would be really hard to write. It's, it, it almost is a perfect ending that they don't get a second one. Despite yeah. Me wanting more. I, I want the second one, but I'm, I'm happy it doesn't like, I wanted a second hangover. But I'm unhappy it exists. Yeah, like I'm not sure. There, I wanted the second Rush Hour, and I was happy it existed. And that's Rush, one of the- Rush, but Rush Hour is like they went to a different country. They had they they were able to just do it. Okay, we did this in L.A. Now, what if we do this somewhere else? Right. Rush where, Hour is perfect. Example, I mean, Rush but. Hour three is pretty good too. Rush Hour, you, you can't compare anything to Rush Hour. It's just it's, so good. All three of them are just fantastic flicks. They're awesome. Uh, that's it, man. We did it. Thirty did minutes. It. I think the old one's 30 minutes, too. So if you want to go back and listen to it, it is out there. <laughs> we definitely didn't there. have categories for the third one. We did not. We just talked about if how If you haven't it watched The Nice Guys, I, I promise you, it is, it's just so fun. It's, honest to God, one of my five top movies. Uh, yep. Not my top Russell Crowe, though. Gladiator? Master and Commander, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry. I knew that. I'm sorry. I Mas- knew that. Master and Commander might be my favorite. I, it is my favorite movie of all time. I'm, still con- I'm convinced that they sh- like, made real ships... And shot them up. Like, that's the only way the the scenes in that movie make sense. Any, um, well, now that we're in the podcast and no one's listening anymore, any parting words for the people that have listened to a lot of this podcast? Uh, I would say see Barbie before Oppenheimer. I, I, I think like, that I meant like as sentimental. <laughs> this is my sentimental part of it. I don't know what oh, you're talking sorry. about. Okay, uh, I'd say see Barbie before Oppenheimer. Uh, stop watching the Mets. Give up on them. It's over. It's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do, do. What I else? agree with your first take, by the way. Yeah, I just I don't think you could see Oppenheimer and then be like, well, that shit was fun. Um, I think like, especially because I know the people that want to do it both in the same day. I'm not doing that. I'm doing a week between. I want to eat and digest, buddy. Uh, that and I also want to go back to the track. And I need also time. just going to throw this out here. The PR agency that represents Margot Robbie is fucking geniuses. They're geniuses. They're awesome. Because did you see? Um, they- Oh, fuck. What was the movie they, I saw in? They, hold on. I'm going to just end this thought. They know that Barbie's coming out, and they had some people pretend to be idiots online and say that she's not an attractive lady. <laughs> and then the, the debate for an entire week is, is Margot Robbie hot? And it was overwhelmingly yes. 
Uh, and yeah, of course. <laughs> like that's, it was all PR marketing stunt. I can't, you cannot convince me otherwise. Oh, God, hold on. I need to remember the name of this movie. I saw it. Did you ever see... Asteroid City? No. Um, she's, in, she's only in that for one scene. She is, yes. She's good uh, but now, hold on, hold on. Bear with me. This is I'm great bearing. podcasting. I'm bearing. Do, 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 do. We're I just going to go to... We're going to go to her. Oh, no. I'm going to talk my way through it, buddy. Oh, okay. I'll uh, let you do it. Go boop, ahead. Boop, 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 boop. Nope. I'm going to... Oh, where the fuck is her name? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is great. This is wonderful. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. I'm going to find years. it. Yeah, yeah. And no, as Greg going. looks at Margot Robbie, um, it's been a Big Ranger right? fan, by the way. Yeah, I know. I know. Babylon. Did you see Babylon? Did not see Babylon. Oh, my God. She's incredible year? in Babylon. Yeah. Last year, right? Yeah. Didn't see Babylon. I heard good things. Good things. Uh, you uh, either love it or hate it. I don't think there's a middle ground. Got it. Not like the nice guys. You just gotta love it. Uh, thanks, everyone. Really appreciate it. We did some sappy stuff for seven years. This is a little less. So, uh, really want to thank a lot of our guests that come on. Oh my People, god! Why do they say yes? I know it's crazy, and they're very willing, and I appreciate that. Uh, it does a lot for us. So we we couldn't be here without the guests. And uh, and yeah, that's about it. All right. Uh, Quick, quick editor note for you, Greg. Do I put the ending credits before Nice Guys or after? After. Make them okay. listen. All right. It's cool. yeah. The people that you're support right. us enough are you're listening right. to they'll the Nice Guys. Here. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're going to they're gonna get there. It's all right. All right. This is a long one, though, huh? This is like yeah. an hour and a half. Woo, more than we, that. Do we tell the people that we're now in our Spotify era? We are. We're back, baby. Uh, we're back we're, on Spotify. We're back. We left? We, yeah, we were on Megaphone. <laughs> We are on Megaphone now. What are you talking about? We left Megaphone and came back to it. Yeah. We never left Spotify, though. Correct. Why? Or, so we're you not just on said, Spotify? Not, but you just said we're back on Spotify, implying that we at oh, one point were not on Spotify. We were not hosting individually on Spotify. Now we, we are, I guess. Is this why we did the rewatchables? Because we're in the Bill Simmons network? Oh, shit. Did we do this accidentally? Because I did not ghost, think of by that. By the way, did you listen to the Colstrom and Simmons podcast? Oh, my. One of the weirdest podcasts I've ever listened to. One of my favorite podcasts I've ever listened to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the, oh, I, I love it, but it's fucking weird. The lady who thought the guy was just... Is that a true story? Yeah. That happened? Is that it, the lady that looks like the army meme. lady? It's a meme. Yeah, it's the meme. It's the girl in the black tank top. She's like... Yeah, the, you should watch the video. Oh, and my when, God. When Colstrom goes... I think it's a trend. I went, I literally stopped my bike and pulled over and jumped up and down. I was like, this is unbelievable. What is going on? Oh my God. I, so did they inception us? And they're like, Hey, welcome back to Spotify. What if you did something ringer related? We're like, that's ridiculous. How about our yeah, rewatch? That's ridiculous. We wouldn't give free advertisers of the ringer. And oh my can... God. Wow. We really are. The ringer needs to call us. That's really what we're getting down to here. I mean, interviewing Bill dream but it would never happen so. no i it would be funny who could it would be a showdown between me and bill can he make more celtics references than i make mets references it would be uh god jesus that's I, literally I, kong versus godzilla right there simmons is, is uh he's the reason we're here for me i still love him i i'm me sorry too. it works for me man it, it does it for me too i still fucking listen <laughs> i'm sheep all right we'll be back love you guys we'll talk to bsbot this later this week bye it's the end of the show. So usually I thank a bunch of people here from Patreon, and I will in a second. But we're going to do a new segment starting next week that's NHL Insiders Chat Recap. Like this week, we would, we discussed who would you trade for Shohei Otani and who is untradeable for Shohei Otani. I know, look, baseball, I get it. I know. But the, we do have a lot of actual scoops in there. I know it's crazy. But we do have a lot of weird and awesome conversations as well. So we're going to do a little quick recap of what happened in the week, and then I'm also going to thank the people in the chat 
because they make the show possible. And then after this, I'll probably do a little, um, I'll get a little emotional, sentimental. Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartulo, Adam Linder, Al- Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Al- Alex Gardner, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Rahner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Morturo, Anthony Terragata. Terragata? Ter- How do they do that? I'm sorry, Anthony. Anthony Tanagreta? That was crazy. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Br- Bennett Lomayer, Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lackos, Brandon Magnum, Gr- Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Doherty, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy Rollman, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Stoic, and Conrad P. Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dizen, David Naren, David Siegel, Dennis Deitch, Darian, Eric Stagg, Give Gardner, Give Gardner a Cup, uh, Garrett Reynas, Gretzky may fly. Uh, Hayek waivers happened before Ryan watched Miracle. Harrison Haskell, Hello Vanilla, Hip Hip 89. Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jack Bagley, James Masker, Jerry Marquez. Uh, Jason Strumer, Jason Zabraski, Jamie Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Christopher Florida, Kevin Yu, Christoph Berg, Lara Ross, Lasik Gronowski, Lasik Gronowski. Nice. Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kime, Meek Ball the Cack, Mike Kanick. Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manascu, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafy, Neil Grover, Pons for Prez, Nicholas Dinacola, Other Slash, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kodarev, Phoenix Nation, PJ Sisparo, Pro World 6 Gamer, Randy Tester, Rocco Thompson, Sigma Box, Weingart, uh, Tagda Seamus, The Trop BK, Tommy Sequeira, Tommy Dinesh, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, Tori Fernand, Vinny Brocco, Vinny Hay, Wanny, Willis, E, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Bark, 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 bark. I cannot believe we made it 400 episodes. Look, I'm not going to. I said I would get happy. I'm not. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I can say. If we're here at episode 500, we've done something wrong. Really appreciate you. We got too long till hockey's back. But we'll get there together. And uh, we'll see you guys then. Love you guys. Bye.